Heads up, you're listening to Fresh Cut, hosted by renowned golf superintendent and sought-after course consultant, Tim Barrier. Every week, Tim and his team pull back the curtain with guests to dissect the details and stories of how the PGA and LPGA prepare courses for tournaments. Don't worry, we won't leave you in the rough or sunk in the drink. So tune in, hit that subscribe button, and relax. And now, here's Tim and Matt Palmquist on the Tee Box with this week's guest. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show. Thanks for joining us for another fresh episode of Fresh Cut, an insightful podcast. Um, I'm Matt Palmquist, your host, along with Tim Barrier. And today we have the great pleasure of having Mr. Mark Russell, recently retired head PGA Tour official. Ladies and gentlemen, I said that correct. The head tour official. He makes all the rulings. You're either out of bounds or it's a penalty but he is the one that makes the call. Tim, we are really, really excited to have Mr. Russell or Mark uh, on the show today. So tell, tell us about Mark before Mark tells us about Mark. <laughs> so uh, Mark's been a friend for a number of years, and I actually owe him more than one favor now. Uh, the last, uh, last time I, I chatted with Mark, actually, the last time I saw you was at the Farmers in 2016. I think the last time I talked to you was probably 2017, when you were so gracious as to get me and a few of my buddies out at your wonderful golf course there in Orlando, Orange Tree Golf Club. Uh, by the way, I did not hit one driver uh, <laughs> on that track because it is it is one tight piece of property and you really, really have to hit your golf ball straight. But I know there's a lot of tour professionals that play out of Orange Tree Golf Club. Uh, but that was really the last time uh, that Mark and I uh, you know, had a chat. It's been quite a few years, but I gave him a ring and, and I know the US Open just concluded uh, and Mark, thank you so much for being here with us today. We're just grateful. I know I'm grateful. I think Matt is too. Um, the U.S. Open uh, just passed, and uh, I know you're, you were here, but now you're in Hartford. Can you tell us about this last journey you've had for the last week or so? Well, yeah, we were at the um, Open at Torrey Pines. What a great venue that was, and what a great championship it was. But uh, this next week, we came to... Uh, back east to Hartford, Connecticut, to a, a tournament that's been going on a very long time, the Travelers Championship here at uh, TPC River Highlands. we got an excellent field, and uh, we're looking forward to a great week. But the U.S. Open was great. What a uh, fantastic golf tournament. I was kind of amazed when they made the turn down there, how many guys kind of went south down there at 11, 12, and 13. Yes. And the only two guys left standing was uh, Louis Tayson and uh, – John Rahm. Mm-hmm. It, well, it made for big theater. I'll tell yeah. you that much. Hey, oh, I, I, I've got a quick question for you before we get to kind of my main questions. And that was on the fourth hole with all the paragliding going on. I noticed in a couple of the golf shots, uh, a couple of those paragliders almost came out over the green there on the fourth hole. Now, maybe it was just a trick of the cameras. Uh, but did you guys have a chat uh, with that group down there uh, at the paraglider center? to tell them and ask them, try to stay out of stay out of the golf venue. Did you guys get into any of that with them? Not not really. I think that's expected at Torrey Pines, Tim. You know, I mean, sure. that's, a, that's a, a kind of a signature of that place. And um, I don't think anybody said anything. And I agreed several times they looked very close there, but they weren't. And I think the 
I think the players kind of enjoyed that, to tell you the truth. I have a question for you, Mark, and this is, you know, I'm the local hack on the show. What is the ruling if a ball would have hit a hang glider and then dropped into the hole? Would that would that have been a penalty <laughs> or would that have counted? I'm just, I'm asking. No, hey, rub of the green. Rub of <laughs> the green. <laughs> is that still considered an outside agency with the new rules of golf? What do they call well, that now? <laughs> it would be an outside, it's referred to as an outside influence now. Outside influence, <laughs> okay. not agency. Used to be called an outside agency. We're I mean, not- if there was nothing, if there's nothing done to, uh, you know, that the outside influence was trying to have influence on the ball and you struck it and bounced wherever it went, it would be in play. Right. Sort of like hitting a tree then, correct? Yeah. Well, like hitting a tree. Let's say you hit over there and you hit some uh, golf cart or somebody that was picking oh, up I trash see. and it bounced back into the fairway. Ball's just in play. I see. Right. Or ba- if it bounced out of bounds, it would be out of bounds. So it could go either way there. Yeah, my, my game, I usually hit trash cans. So, you know, that's sort of my game. I'm the hack. So, yeah. yeah. So, um, Mark, I've got a, a few questions that I want to ask you, but I want this just to kind of be a conversation. And I um, just think it's a, a great time to, to talk with you right after the U.S. Open. But I, I'd like to get a little bit of background about, about you and how this journey with golf started. I mean, we kind of know now that it's ending because you're you're finally decided after maybe more than 40 years as a PGA Tour official to finally retire with Slinger White. But how did it all begin and how did you get involved with golf? Well, I was um, I was the golf director at Walt Disney World many years ago and I was chairman wow. of the Walt Disney Golf Classic. And um, I got to know all the guys through the Disney Golf Classic and when uh, Clyde Mangum called me up one day and uh, God rest his soul asked me if I would be interested in being on the rules committee for the PGA tour. That was in 1980. And when I started in 1980, there were 26 employees and, um, wow. 12 of them was, uh, the rules committee. So, I mean, that was a long time ago, but, uh, that's how I, that's how I really got started in, in, uh, in golf. Uh, I met all the guys through the Disney golf Classic. How's the uh, how's Mickey's game like when you Mickey, were Mickey's game? Uh, <laughs> hey, it's it's pretty good. We had three <laughs> golf courses there when I was the golf director, and uh, they were three good golf courses. Yeah. Uh, I played and Mag and Lake Buena Vista is still there. Yeah. Um, but um, it's uh, it's changed a little bit. There's a of couple course. other golf courses they built there, but. That's yeah. a great gom- complex, Walt Disney World. Right. Fantastic. Well, so, Mark, your journey with the game itself, did you play in high school? Did you play in college before you got uh, to the Disney properties? Um, you know, I know you're from North Carolina, um, Kannapolis, North Carolina, just north of Charlotte. Uh, my family's actually also from North Carolina. I was born there myself. Uh, is, is there another background component of your golf uh, that well, back I grew up playing all sports, but I played golf because uh, my dad was a pretty good player, and he turned me on playing golf as a kid. Mm. So, uh, yeah, I played golf, uh, you know, in the spring and summer. My football coach couldn't believe I didn't, well, wasn't going to run track, but there's no way I'm running track when you get out of school go play golf. Are you kidding me? Sure. So that's, yeah. that's, that's what I did, and I played golf at Elon, too. And uh, when I got down to Walt Disney World, I had a I had a job uh, 
working in a theme park for the summer, which was a great time. But then when it came time to uh, go back to school, I've been going to school for 16 years. I worked on a deal. I got transferred over to the golf resort there at uh, Disney and I became the golf director. And then I uh, ultimately got on the PGA tour is on the rules committee and it's been a fantastic ride for wow. me. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's so fortunate and blessed to have a career in golf. Like I've mm -hmm. had was, uh, was Dean Beeman the commissioner. In Dean Beam was the commissioner. He sure was. Sure. And what was your relationship with him? Like, I know uh, my, my relationship with, his day. with Dean was very good. I mean, I still have a good relationship with him today. Every time I see him, we have a great conversation. You know, Dean was a player. Dean won a golf oh, yeah. tournament out here, and uh, smart man. He did. A, he's he's the one that came up with uh, all the TPCs, the golf courses that uh, for the spectators. Sure. And there's not a better viewing uh, golf course in the world than the TPC Sawgrass in uh, mm -hmm. Ponte Vedra Beach. Right. Home of the Players Championship. That stadium setup uh, definitely can't be beat. I think he was a visionary and he really saw uh, the numbers that were going to come to this game. And speaking of numbers, uh, we've talked about in our last show what COVID has done for the game of golf and what it's done for the excitement of the game of golf, uh, getting people involved. And and so are, are you seeing a resurgence in the tour with Phil winning and just the excitement of the game? I mean, uh, the year that you're deciding to leave it, it uh, looks like it's really starting to really, really fire back up again after uh, this COVID pandemic is ending? Well, it, you know, it's always been extremely popular, but with the COVID and, you know, the safest place you could be on, would be on the golf course, it turns so many people onto the game. Mm -hmm. that, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's going great. You can't hardly get equipment now. The order of equipment is hard to get. It's in such demand. So uh, that's great for golf. Uh, yeah. You know, golf in a huge resurgence, and uh, let's hope it continues. You know, when they had the NBA bubble down at uh, the Disney Complex, uh, we were talking earlier, um, that uh, every day they had two hours of tee times blocked for the players and the coaches on a different course every day. It would rotate. And uh, I understand down there that so many NBA players got turned on to golf because oh, there's yeah. really not nothing else to do. And the guys that could play would take them out, and it turned a lot of those guys on the golf that had never played golf mm -hmm. before. Right. So that's a microcosm of what happened, really. Well, that's yeah. it. Some big, tall guys. I don't know if you knew this, but Matt is six <laughs> foot ten. Yeah. Uh, he is a golfer, but you know that's a long way to be away from the golf ball. I got extensions on my clubs. He should oh, be man. able to strike it. He should have a big arc, be able to strike it a long ways. Well, he, he probably does. I mean, he's three inches taller than Blackmar. I try. So, <laughs> yeah. I've been a scratch golfer since I was in seventh grade. When I tell this to Tim all the time, when I looked at my score and I didn't like it, I just scratched it off. So. <laughs> you could hit a jumper from the corner, though, couldn't you? <laughs> yeah, I can hit a jumper from the short corner. From the, yeah, I can, I can hit a jumper. Yeah, there you go. maybe not a sand trap. I can't hit a driver. I can't do that, but I, yeah. So we'll refer to those as bunkers. No sand traps. Bunkers. 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 Yeah, I've, I've been working on him a little bit. We got <laughs> to get his nomenclature down. That's for sure. Thank you very much. So I have a I have a question for you. Certainly. In, in your in your vast experience, you know, you're you're looking to retire uh, forty years, right? That's what correct. Is the most memorable ruling or what stands out when when you think about your 40 years as far as a ruling 
Because you've covered all the tournaments, right? So many, what is there's the many, one? many, many, many. But one that stands out to me was uh, with KJ Choi at the Players Championship. I guess it's been about eight or nine, maybe ten years ago. But he's coming down the stretch, and he's right in the hunt, maybe uh, leading by one or tied. And uh, we get the word that his caddy is using something to uh, figure out which way the wind's blowing. Mm. Well, I'm thinking, oh my gosh. If it's something that's, uh, you know, a, a streamer or uh, something he's spraying up in the air, mm-hmm. talcum powder or something like that, that's a violation. He's going to be disqualified. Wow. So, uh, you know, he comes in, he's tied with David Toms at the end. And before he signs his scorecard, I have to go in there and talk to him. And if, if it's, if he doesn't give me the right answer, he and his caddy's going to be disqualified and it's going to rock the golf world. No yeah. one's aware of this. You know, there's 35,000 fans there. The whole world's waiting on this playoff. So I go in there. I said, hey, KJ, you and your caddy, Andy, is Andy from England, a veteran caddy. I said, what were you using out there to figure out which way the wind was blowing? He said, my handkerchief. Pulled it out of the bag. So I stole my handkerchief up there. That was fine. If you and I were playing golf, Matt, and I pulled the scorecard off the cart and threw it up in the air and see which way was wind was blowing that would be fine but i could not hang a stringer on the cart and leave it there to see which way the wind was blowing mm-hmm. you know it'd be something to be artificial so that i mean that you're talking about a stress level and talk about your yeah. heart rate getting up uh wow but then we went on and uh kj won the playoff there and won the players championship and everything was fine but there's yeah. situations like that i refer to it as an airline pilot Hours of boredom, moments of terror. Yes. That's a fantastic story. Thank you. I think uh, <laughs> combat has also been described that way. You know, lots of boredom. Right. Once in a while. There's a lot of terror going on. Right. So, um, so Mark, you've developed a lot of friendships uh, in the game of golf over the years. And uh, you got a lot of tour players that you've seen come and go. And there's some guys that, that are still hanging around, uh, it's pretty amazing. Then they go on to the champions tour and, and they continue on. Uh, what, what kind of friendships do you have? Um, you got any real, real special friends? And I know you don't want to insult or hurt anybody's feelings. But you got a couple guys out there. I'm sure that have really become close to tight friends with you there in the Orlando area. Well, Matt, Tim, you know, it's a gentleman's game and, and you, know, all, you know, there's so many great guys involved in the game of golf, but I mean, last Last week at uh, Torrey Pines, I ran into Dean Wilson, who I hadn't seen in about 12, 15 years. I ran into John Chafee, who I haven't seen forever. Played out here for a few years. But um, a guy that I always enjoy dealing with and talking to and love to see him again at the Masters is Ben Crenshaw. Ben is a uh, gentleman from Texas. He's a golf historian. He's a golf course architect. And I always love talking to Ben you know, about what he's got going on and, uh, you know, why he thinks about the state of the game at the time. Right. But uh, great guy, great guy, Ben Crenshaw. I really miss him. And I tell those guys all the time, I remember telling Raymond Floyd years ago, I said, Raymond, I really miss you out here. Mm-hmm. He said, well, I miss you too, Mark. Miss all the guys out there. But us champion tours are like picking up money off the ground for me. So I have to stand out here on this champion's tour. <laughs> well, there's another North Carolina product, isn't he? That's exactly right. That's yeah. exactly right. Raymond, ultra intense on the golf course, yeah. but an absolute gentleman off. Yeah. Well, so 
you know, you hear stories about Ray Floyd and, and Trevino too. Uh, they've got kind of a hustling background. They, they how they got their their teeth cut in the game, and they were gambling for money that they didn't have, uh, and that they had to win. It forced them to win. I don't know if any of those stories are true, but that's what I've heard. I'm sure they're true. I've heard people say before. There's sure nothing like know, pressure. Right? Yeah. Playing for a hundred dollars and you don't have any money in your pocket. Yeah. yeah. I have a Lee Trevino story for you. Uh, my dad is a retired Marine Corps officer and uh, his last station was right here uh, at Camp Pendleton. Uh, I live in Oceanside, California. And my dad remembers seeing Lee Trevino uh, in the very early 1960s. Uh, before he was on the tour, and it might have been the mid-1960s, uh, when he was a Marine, and he was on the first tee with a Coke bottle. Remember those big Coke bottles? They used to sell Coca-Cola with a big, heavy bottom to them. And he was taking money off young Marines by out-driving them with a Coke bottle. He'd put it as oh. high on the tee as he could, and he'd pound it 200 yards right down the middle. And the Marines <laughs> were so nervous because they just saw this happen. They just hit it sideways. And so he was making $5 bets here and there wow. just for the Coke bottle. So, uh, yeah, you, you hear those stories about those guys that they had to win because they didn't have any money in their pocket. So interesting things uh, going on with tour guys, that's for sure. Um, now, let me ask you, do you, get to, do you get to enjoy the game? I mean, obviously you've been in Hartford all week, and then you were at the Open last week here in San Diego. But do you ever get to take a couple of hours and enjoy the course and play, or is it – grind once you land and and then off to the next city well matt it's not really my priority to play the golf course but uh before the u.s open i did go out to los angeles uh, a few days early and played at bel air and played at riviera with some wow. friends of mine nice. and uh when i go home i usually play every afternoon at uh like tim said at orange street you have to walk down this fairway single file <laughs> but uh it's a great spot always in great shape very difficult golf course, but uh, I play there about every afternoon. Uh, usually go out about 4.30, play a little dark. Nice. Right what, when it's starting to get cool there in Florida. No. And what course is this? What, what course are you playing? Oh, it's called Orange Tree. It's on Dr. Phillips Boulevard. It's about a half mile from Bay Hill. Okay. But, um, in Orlando. It's only on 93 acres. As Tim can attest, it's tight. Um, we got a lot of tour players to play there, a lot of LPGA players to play there because it's difficult. That if you can get used to playing golf at Orange Street, you can go anywhere and play. Nice. Well, I tell you, I, we showed up with four guys that are all sub five handicaps, and uh, I don't think one of us broke eighty. I mean, and we we played as well as we could. I, I guarantee, I didn't. My I hit my driver one time. I hit three iron and rescue all day long off the tee. <laughs> yeah. So it, it if you get used to driver there, you can you can. Christina Kim's a member there, and she told me she said, "Man, I've gotten used to playing here. I go out on that LPJ tour. That it looks like a parking lot. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> that's, that's like why, that's why you get that's why you get used to playing there. But well, yeah, I play quite a bit of golf. Christina actually was on the driving range when we were there. Um, we had a little chat with her. She's a really, really sweet person, that's for sure. Great, yeah. Uh, Mark, Mark, tell me about your relationship with golf course superintendents over the years. I know, uh, you know, advance week and, you know, even before that, when you're checking marking of the golf course and uh, OB and hazard stakes, well, I'm sorry, penalty stakes, whatever they call them now. I know that the rules have changed kind of the penalty areas. Penalty areas. So penalty area stakes and all those things. I remember Glenn Tate, uh, way back in the, the late 1980s and into the 90s when uh, I was at La Costa with the Tournament of Champions and Glenn Tate was always the PGA Tour official that 
would come out and visit us. And uh, that was always a, a wonderful learning experience for the rules of golf for somebody that grows grass. Uh, uh, understanding the game, understanding the rules of the game was something that uh, Glenn really taught me in the three years that I was there uh, with that tournament. It was uh, the money, the Mercedes and the Infinity Tournament of Champions back in those days. But um, so uh, your your interactions with the superintendents, uh, I'm sure you've had some some difficult ones, but what is your what is your kind of take home on that side of the profession? And have you had a good time with the superintendents over the years? Uh, you know, so the superintendents and their staff are the total unsung heroes of the PGA Tour. And uh, we have an agronomy staff of seven agronomists, and they're always there a week ahead of time uh, now. Back in the Glenn Tate days, they weren't. But now we always have an agronomist on staff here uh, uh, it, for two weeks, you know, with the advance official and the superintendents are fantastic. I mean, those guys, they take such pride in getting their golf course in the very best possible condition, uh, you know, to show the world. I mean, you know, these things go international, 280 mm -hmm. countries get to see these things and the golf course superintendents and their staff, incredible the amount of work they put in getting them ready to go. And, uh, I, I, love all those guys i mean i don't i really can't remember having a problem uh you know last 15 20 years with a superintendent i mean they you know that once they realize once you've made them realize that listen we're all in this together and all we want is your golf course to be the best it can possibly be everybody's on the same team it's it's a great thing that's right. That's right. Well, I, I know one of your agronomists, uh, Tom Bastis, I know he's, he's been with the tour. Yeah, he's a California guy. He's a California Tommy. guy he's from Northern California. Absolutely. Now, let me ask you this. So you, there's a pro-am going on right now, correct? Today while correct. you're, yes. Now, do you, do you handle that as far as rulings or do you get to kind of just enjoy watching the pro-am or do you have to work on like a, a, a Wednesday before the, the tournament? Let me, there's no enjoy in a pro-am for an official. <laughs> hey, listen, if anybody asks for a, a ruling on pro-am day, I mean, come on, man. We We're problems. having fun I'm just thinking, you know, I'm just, what hey. comes to my mind is like Charles Barkley, uh, you know, guys like that, Tony Romo's, you know, those guys. So Yeah, well, you know, look, pick it up, you know, you got parts <laughs> to help you out. <laughs> But no, we, uh, you know, the pro-am's a fun day. The, the, the players really enjoy that. And they get, they play with three amateurs and, um, you know, it's a great way. And, and the most awesome thing about golf too is golf is the only game you can do that. You can't play mm -hmm. tennis with a professional tennis player. You no. can't play football in the NFL with those guys, but you can come out and play golf and actually compete. You know, with the handicap system in a great game of golf. And that's one reason that these corporations want to be involved with this. The travelers people bring their clients in here from all over the country, all over the world, for that matter, to play golf with these guys today. And it's a great thing. That's one one reason that golf is, uh, you know, it's so popular with, you know, the, the pro-am situation on the uh, PGA Tour. It's a great thing. Yeah. And another thing about the PGA Tour, too, People don't realize, but PGA Tour is a nonprofit. I mean, we've raised $3 billion for local charities. I mean, these golf tournaments mean so much to these communities. It's incredible. And the Pro-Am is, is a huge part of it. Right, right. Wow. Well, so now you're at the Travelers this week, and I know the tour players really like the Travelers. They like playing there in Hartford. 
Uh, what, what's the attraction, do you think, uh, there with the travelers? Well, they really like this golf course. This yeah. golf course is uh, is really a good test. Uh, they shoot low scores here, but you got to hit good shots. You've got to fit it in there. You know, here's uh, in, in the last, the finishing holes are very exciting here. The 15th hole is a drivable par four that is designed for that. The very back of the tee is like 340 yards. So, you know, you can drive it on the, on the green, but there's water left. It's a risk reward situation. And it's a very exciting uh, hole. 16th hole is an excellent little par three. 17 is very difficult and um, 18 also. So it's some great finishing holes and the, the players really enjoy it here. Now here's where uh, Jim Furyk a couple of years ago shot 58. 58, I was gonna say. The That's greens awesome. have to be perfect, Tim, as you well know, to shoot 58. They have to be perfect. There can't be any wiggle in that ball at all. And yeah. you have to hit in the center of the hole. And that's the other thing. You know, these guys hit the center of the hole. And, you know, uh, most average golfers are around the edge of the hole. And they're, you know, generally not going to go in. When the greens are that fast, you know, anything over 12 feet, you really have to hit a good component of the center of the hole. That's, that's sure. right. So. That's exactly right. And, the, and, and these greens here are in such good shape. If you get it started, on the correct line, it will hold its line. Mm, and absolutely. if you get it going, now listen, there's a lot of guys, as you said, a lot of great players, as you 74, miss the cut. But the guys that win this tournament go low. Right. And the players have that mentality, know, knowing to be successful here, that's what you have to do. Sure. Well, sure. speaking of being successful, Mark, thank you so, so much for, for joining us today. And I congratulate you on a successful 40 year career and I, I wish you the best in, in retirement. Um, and Tim, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a passing of the torch, right? I mean, this, he's been around decades. So, I, well, he has, and you know, I think it's going to be time to stop traveling and hunker down a little bit and play some more golf at orange tree golf. At orange tree. Well, you know, the, the guys that are taking over for, for me and slugger, we, we hired them and, it's yeah. left and good head. Gary Young's going to do a great job. Yeah. We got a great staff here, and I'm not going to be sitting around all the time at home. I've got a, I'm working on a golf sitcom. That's the reason I went to Los Angeles uh, early. Okay. I'm working on a, uh, a funny golf show around really? the golf course. Wow. So, uh, you know, it's in the developmental stages, but uh, I think uh, hopefully that's going to keep me busy for a while. And uh, I feel like that'd be my contribution to the game. Yeah. Also, have a funny show to make people laugh and turn yeah. some more oh, people yeah. on with a great game of golf. That'd be amazing. If we can help you promote it, yeah. please, you know my number. Yeah. You got next, it, guys. I'll do next that. Next time you're in San Diego, please, please stop by the show, and, and we would love to have you on in, in person. So You got it. You you're, got you're it, guys. Hey, I can't tell you how much I enjoy being on today. Well, thank you. Thank Mark. you. We enjoyed it as well. Mark Russell, God bless you, sir. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, guys. Okay. Take care, Mark. Bye-bye. Thank you. See ya. Thanks for listening to Fresh Cut. Tune in next week for another amazing guest. And make sure you like, share, and subscribe. And if you're playing the great game of golf today, fill in those divots and stay on the card paths. Yeah.